So before we move forward, shall we uh, pray together this morning? Father, we just thank you for all that you've given us in Jesus Christ. For Lord, to your son, you've given all things into his hand, that all things may be judged, all things may be made manifest, including sin. And without the coming of your son, Jesus Christ, we would not know our sin and we would not know the depths of our sin. I thank you this morning, Lord, for sending Jesus Christ so that we would know sin and more importantly, know that Jesus was sent to take away our sin and that believing in Jesus Christ, sin can be no more. And we praise you for that. What a gift you've given to us and blessed us with through the grace of your loving care upon us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. All right, so turn with me to uh, John chapter 14 this morning. So Wednesday evening, I opened up Wednesday evening service with an exhortation regarding the Word of God. What is the Word of God in each and every one of you? Would, Would anyone like to speak about what they think the Word of God is in themselves? Anyone? Online? Whatever. What you think the Word of God is in you, it's the very power and strength of God from heaven. And it is who, Connie? It is Christ. Jesus is the Word of God. And it says that in Revelations, the 19th chapter, doesn't it? That His name shall be called the Word of God? Yeah. And so... It's important then for us to begin to realize within and in and with in and of ourselves that how I regard the word of God becomes of all importance to me. So when it comes to having an expectation of how the word's going to work, whose expectation is in the word that the word's going to meet that expectation? Mine? Is it me or is it God? It's the Father. So Jesus said. Jesus said in in and of himself, not my will, but thy will be done, O God. So when Jesus would begin to speak the word, whose will was he performing? He was performing the will of his Father. Likewise, then, when the word, whom is Jesus Christ, begins to work in you, whose will is going to be performed in that word? It's the will of the Father. It's God's will. So we get a lot of we get confused a lot of times. And I've heard a lot of people speak on the will of God. And they do it from the manner of they do it from the earth and not from heaven. So uh, I remember years and years ago, I was sitting in the living room of a couple and they went to a fairly large church here in town. And they were very nice people, very, very nice people. And as we sat there and we conversed together, they kept talking about the will of God, the will of God this, the will of God. If it's the will of God, if it's the will of God. So finally, at the end of the conversation, I just had to ask the question. I said, so can can I ask a question? And they said, yes. I said, so what is the will of God? If everything's to be the will of God, can I ask what the will of God is? And their answer was, whatever the Father wants it to be. Really what they were saying is whatever I choose for it to be. And that becomes the mindset of a lot of us. We think that we can choose 
what we think the will of God should be for us. When the, when the word comes to you, that is the Son of God, that is Jesus Christ, does not that word, was it not spoken knowing what it was to perform in you in the manner in which God gave it? Yes. So that as it is spoken and it, is beginning, and it begins to be heard in us, it begins to ascribe itself to the will of the Father. It begins to make God known. Does God know what you have need of even before you ask? And the answer to that is, of course, as we all know, is yes. God knows. So when God sends his word, and I hope that each and every one of you hear the word of God every day. And you can stay in it. Because as you hear it, what will it cause you to bring forth in your life? And you can, you can say this. It's a Sunday school answer, but you can say it. The will of God. Because that's what I'm subjecting myself to. I'm asking the word of God to take me out of my will and place me into the will of the Father. Amen? Thus, in Galatians, the second chapter, and I, I think it's the 12th verse, isn't it? Or no, 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 no. It's the 20th verse, right? I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20 and 21. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by what? The faith of the Son of God. So there, becomes, there begins to be a translation in me by the faith of the Son of God, so that my mind is no longer conformed to the things of this world, but is translated by the Spirit of Christ. So my mind is taking on the will of God and I'm beginning to, what happens then if I take on the will of God, what happens to perceptions and consciousnesses then? What do they become? They become the will of God. They become heaven. So it becomes apparent then that when the Word of God is given, if I do not take the Word of God and commit myself to the Word of God in that in the way in which it was sent, what am I going to do with that Word? Am I going to bring fornication, fornication and adultery to it? Am I going to defile it? Am I going to cause it to be something that it wasn't given to be? And the answer, of course, is yes. And we have all done it. So let me read in this. I'm in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. Or excuse me, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So now Jesus is talking to his disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, John, and the other eight. Okay? He's talking to them about why he was sent. And he was sent to prepare a place for them. And in order to prepare a place for them, what, what was he going to have to do? He was going to have to go to the cross. He was going to have to die, bear the sins of the world, and let the power of the resurrection that was in the Father bring him forth unto life, let himself be manifested in the resurrection, and then ascend into heaven, 
And when he ascended into heaven and was set down on the right hand of the Father, what was the Father going to do uh, in Christ Jesus? Going to send the Holy Ghost. Man, that's, that is the most powerful aspects of life that any person can ever know. You know, right now, I think the, the lottery, I think I was on the way to church and I saw the Powerball lottery is like at $1.9 billion. That's gross. That's a gross amount of money. And people will say that that'll bring happiness. <laughs> people that don't understand money, I'm going to tell you right now, it will destroy your mind faster than anything else that I know of. It will destroy you because you don't understand what it can do to you. What works inside a man that it would destroy, that would cause it to destroy man? Lust. Lust. So in the book of James, it says, all that is in the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Right? So if... What I receive in my life makes lust greater. What's going to happen to me? I'm going to, it's going to kill me. Yeah, it's going to take my mind out of God, separate me from the will of God, and now all of a sudden, God is no more needed. God is no more longed for. God is no more sought after. So I remember years ago, they were... Um, I can't. I think it was Channel Six or Channel Seven. Don't don't quote me on that part of it. They were interviewing J.R. Simplot, and I heard J.R. Simplot say, in the interview, "I have everything I need, thus I don't need God." So, everything that he had was based on what? His ability to do what? Earn money, right? And to grow money. So, what happens then? To the mindset that needs God when that is when you're capable of doing that. You think you are. You be that that will in itself becomes your God. And now everything you do, you work to protect what you are capable of doing in and of yourself. So when I heard that years ago, I was like, okay. And I thought about it much. So there's a place in the heart then where I mean I'm not against earning a lot of money just so you understand what I'm saying here I am not against it what I'm saying though is is you cannot let those things and your own capableness rob you from your need of God you can't allow it to work that way in your consciousness because once you do your road back it could be it could be four generations. It could be seven generations. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar when he said he didn't need God? Seven times. Went through the parable seven times. And in his mind, he went, he digressed all the way to what? What did he become in his mind? A beast, which was, and he, what, what did he eat of? Grass. His, yeah, his, he, all he could eat of, all he could partake of it was his own thought. And then when he began to come forth out of it and come back through the parable to the consciousness of a man, what was his testimony? Remember what he said? 
I now know that um, Daniel's God is the God of the whole earth. That was his, that was what he said. Here's the thing, though. He said it. He never grasped the experience of it in the mind. And so it becomes apparent, even in us, that when we chase after things that are not of God, what are we doing in the mind when it comes to the lust? We're, yeah, okay, we're feeding the lust, correct? So if I'm feeding the lust, then what becomes stronger? The lust. So what must I do differently, John? What am I going to, okay, keep going. Okay, I'm going to keep the commandments that Jesus has given me. And this is the warning that he was given to his disciples. I'm going to make a place for you. Let's go on. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. So now he's setting forth in his mind, I have taught you where I'm going, and where's he going? He's going to the Father, and that's what he told them from the beginning. And the way he's going, did he teach them that too? He did. Then Thomas said, Lord, we know not where you go, and how can we know the what? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So what's your way into heaven? The Word of God. You cannot enter heaven without the Word of God. Now I know that that universally in the church today, there's been a big movement, and in the consciousness of that, they have said that there's many pathways into heaven because they want to accept everything in the world to be that says it's of God to, to be a path into heaven. The Father himself said the only way into heaven is through whom? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There is no alternative path. And by parable or by type and shadow, when it came to uh, uh, the mountain of God, there was only one way that you could ascend the mountain of God. Does anybody know what that way was? Type and shadow, Old Testament. Anybody studied that out before? The north side. Absolutely. There's only God only directs it one way. The north side is Jesus Christ. It's the only way unto the Father. And in our minds, we think that we can do it. We have the ability in and of ourselves to do it many ways. That's a lie. And those lies will continue to deceive us. God shows up to take them out of the way. God shows up to point you through His grace to the way to ascend into heaven. Thus, when He, sent, when he speaks to you the Word of God, there's this transference by the power of the Word of God in you to create in you the mind to ascend unto the Father. So if I don't put the Word of God in the place that it is given, if I try to understand it in and of myself, can I ascend into heaven? No. That's why we need an interpreter. Who's the interpreter for us today? God is the interpreter, but how does He interpret it in us? By the Holy Ghost. 
And that's what we're going to see today. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father. Now, we have taught this many times in the past, right? So how can I know God if I don't know Jesus Christ? Or if I know God, should I know Jesus? So did they know Jesus in the Old Testament? Okay. They did know him. So when Moses saw the burning flame, what happened in Moses' mind? Does anybody know? Was he translated? He was. His mind was translated. He heard God. He saw a bush that was on fire and it couldn't be consumed. And as he approached it, he turned to approach it. In other words, repentance took over his life. He turned towards God. He saw the bush not being consumed. And as soon as he turned to and approached it, what did God say to him? Take your shoes off. There's a hindrance between me and you, and it's what's on your feet. Do you think, do you think Moses was obedient and took his shoes off before the Lord? And as soon as he took his shoes off, the Spirit of God began to fill his mind. And what did God do for Moses? What did God do with him? Sent him to deliver Israel out of Egypt. Raised him up as Jesus Christ. Set in his heart the word of faith. And Moses began to argue with God a little bit, didn't he? He says, hey, I, I, I get it. But I can't speak well. And God says, well, you may not speak well now, but you're going to. Right? So he, 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 he set Aaron forth to speak for Moses. And how many times did Aaron speak for Moses? He spoke one time. After that, Moses handled it. Moses began to understand that what God had set forth in the heart, God could speak it in Moses, and Moses could speak it to Pharaoh. That's the power the Word of God has in you today. And when we get a right intent in it, knowing that that Word of God is being delivered unto us, delivers us into the kingdom of heaven, then all of a sudden Jesus is known in us. The Word of God is known in us. The woman of God is known in us. And it begins to make us whole. Begins to direct the path of our feet. And begins to make known in us the kingdom of heaven. Let me go on. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it shall suffice us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say then, show us the Father? So there's a great instruction going on here with the disciples, correct? So Philip asked, okay, show us the Father. And in Jesus' mind, was that a, what was he thinking? What was Jesus' thought? Well, how could, he said, Philip. He said, have I not been with you long enough that you should know that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father? 
experientially, it is important that we allow the Word of God to bring us into the experiences in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Because as long as our mind stays in the flesh, can we see the Father? Or do we need the Spirit to teach us the truth? We need the Spirit. Believest thou not that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, He does the works. So, Jesus would speak the Word of God, but who's going to work it? The Father. Do you know how much time we spend directing our flesh to do the works of God? We spend a lot of time in our thoughts believing that our mind's going to direct us to do the works. We're going to come down. I'm going to skip some verses here in just a moment. But how do we work the works of God? Believe on Him whom He has sent. There is no other way to work the works of God than to believe in Jesus Christ and that He is the Father. So in 1 John chapter 5, I believe it is, Jesus says it this way, that I and the Father are one. Right? Let me turn to it. I have a sore throat, just so you know. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, or bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Now I will tell you this. Try to understand that without the Holy Ghost. You know how many times I have heard religion define the Trinity of God and assign three entities, and in those three entities we come to one Godhead. I'm going to tell you this that the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost are one entity. And when Jesus Christ was sent into the earth to save us from our sins, He bare the image of the Father so that when you saw Jesus Christ in the flesh, you could see, hear, handle, touch the Word of God. He was present omnipresent in and of Himself in all of it. And when He rose up and sat again on the right hand of the Father, did He not go back in to whom He was from the beginning? And the answer to that is yes, He did. Dropping down to verse 17. Excuse me, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. So, John, what are we going to do? We're going to keep the commandments. Is it talking about the Ten Commandments? Or is it, going to talk, is it talking about every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Which is it? <laughs> I'm telling you, see, in our minds we think, wow, man, uh, how am I going to keep every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? God spoke a lot we got a canon of 66 books that doesn't even contain all the words. Even uh, John, when he wrote the Gospel of John, at the end of it, he said, the world cannot contain the books that could be written. So John knew that God said a lot, and God continues to speak a lot even to us today. 
And God is still writing those books in the heart so that when the mysteries of God become known, where are they known? They're known in us. We become the storehouse of the libraries of the Father when it comes to the eternities of God. That's why we become the sons of God. He gave it to us to bring forth or make manifest those mysteries. So that the consciousness of the Father, the consciousness of all that He is in Christ Jesus, He's making known in His sons. So in, in 1 John chapter 3, oh, what manner of love is the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called whom? The sons of God. If I'm a son, then am I likened unto Jesus Christ? And the answer to that is yes. Now a lot of, I'm going to tell you the religious mind just can't come to it. But the God mind says, you'd better come to it. Because that's what I created you to be from the beginning. I created you to be like myself. And so he sent Jesus Christ as a propitiation for our sins to bring us into the mindset that we can be as God. But we need God to become it. God's the creator. God creates it in you. We cannot create it in and of ourselves without the Word of God and without the Holy Ghost. Let me go on. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now listen. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be what? In you. How many of you are very much aware that the Spirit of Christ dwells with you? You wouldn't be here this morning if he didn't. You wouldn't have questions about the things of God if the Spirit of God was not with you. But what's the greater work? That he shall be in you. And when he is in you, then of a truth, you know who you are. We've quoted 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 many times, right? What does it say in that? If I, look into a, if I look into a mirror or into a glass and I see the glory of the Lord, am I not going to be changed into the same image even, even by the Spirit of the Lord? So from glory to glory, or from Word of God to Word of God being made known in me, I'm being changed into the same image even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So without the Holy Ghost, without the Spirit of God, can I be changed? The answer is no. The Spirit of God came because Jesus Christ did what? Resurrected, sat on the throne of the Father, and sent the Spirit of God into us. And without that being known in us, we cannot know who we are in the Father. And we know that the fullness of charity or love, however we want to say it, the fullness of love is to know what? To know who we are, even as the Father knows us. In other words, now I know who I am in the Father. Is that not the place that Jesus went to make known unto you? 
In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to make a place for you. That place he made for you is so that you can know who you are in the Father. And in that knowing, you become one with God. You are no longer separate. You are no longer without. So every time the Word of God comes and baptizes you, it baptizes you with water and plants the seed and it baptizes you with the Holy Ghost and with fire so the seed can be raised up in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Man, that's awesome. I'm going to skip some more. You guys can go read what we're not reading on your own. Jesus, uh, Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man, now we have all asked, how, how, come I, how come I don't have the Holy Ghost? Who told you you didn't have the Holy Ghost? Who told you? Huh? Not Jesus. No. So if Jesus didn't tell you, who told you? How about an antichrist? Yeah? And in this world, there's what? Many antichrists. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loves me not keeps not my sayings. So, what are we going to keep, John? We're going to keep the sayings of Jesus. Did God give commandments to Israel? Did he have an expectation that Israel would keep his commandments? Did he have an expectation that Israel would keep his commandments? Yes, he did. Did he also know that they would not? So, when Moses led them out of Egypt, where were they headed? They were headed into the kingdom of heaven. They were headed into a land that flowed with milk and honey. A land that they would have no want of anything in this world. That's where they were headed. And it was an, uh, I, I think it was an 11 day journey. But it took them a long time. Why? They, what? Man, I tell you what, they're the most rebellious people on the face of the earth. Because they did not believe God. They would not believe God. God told me I was going to have the winning lottery ticket. That's the confusion that we put ourselves into. The Word of God does not describe a life here. It describes a life in the kingdom of heaven. Likewise, the word that God delivered unto Israel in Moses, the law, described unto them how to live in the kingdom of heaven. And that it was righteous. And that if they did it, everything would be well with them. They would be blessed. But if they chose not to do it, what would happen? They would be cursed. And he described it for them what the curses would be. And you know what? They couldn't believe. They couldn't believe God. 
Amazing. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Okay. So if I receive the Holy Ghost, what am I receiving? I'm receiving the revelation of Jesus Christ. So now the testimony that is upon my lips and in my heart is the testimony of Jesus Christ who sits on the throne of the Father. Because there is only one name in heaven. And that name is Jesus Christ. And he shall, now listen, this is the best part. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. (laughs) Why does the Holy Ghost come? To bring everything that Jesus has ever said from the beginning. Every word that he has ever said, John. To teach it to us. So that we become the Word of God. It lives in our remembrance in everything. It becomes, doesn't Romans 10 say that the Word of God is nigh even in your mouth and in your heart? That is the Word that we preach. So if I'm preaching the Word of God, where does it live, John? It lives in the heart. How did it get there? By the Holy Ghost. By the remembrance of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ to lead and guide me into all truth, showing me that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that He is the way into the kingdom of heaven. And it was ordained of the Father forever. That's awesome. I hope that this morning you have been provoked and I've stirred up some thoughts in you And that God will be merciful to you in the days to come and begin to quicken and make alive these words that have been spoken today in your heart. And that you will call and we'll have some great conversations when it comes to the word of truth. Amen. Amen. God bless you all today. Thank you for being with us online. And we hope to talk.